Please stand with me, if you are able, for a reading from God's holy word. Our reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 15 to 26. And I'll invite you to read the words aloud in bold. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they then called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Wow, it's good to see so many of you under the tent. It's good to see. Uh, feels a little bit like normal a little bit, but it's good to see all of you this morning. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. In the winter of 1920, the New York Yankees acquired, again, I know it's baseball season and some of you may not care, but I do. It's baseball season. The New York Yankees acquired the heavy hitting George Herman Ruth from the Boston Red Sox for Cash considerations. Cash considerations means uh, we want just money. <laughs> there's no trade assets being, uh, there's no assets being traded. Uh, there are other, no other players uh, that they are considering. It's just cash considerations. Uh, some historians say that this is probably the worst or probably the most lopsided trade in history. You know him as Babe Ruth. The Sultan of Swat, the Great Bambino. And what makes this probably the most lopsided trade in history is that there were no players involved. And, and if you know the history of these two teams, one went on to win 26-something uh, pennants or World Series championships. And the other one went on to have decades of uh, be, be uh, perennial losers. Uh, 
just up until 2004. Uh, for 86 years, without a World Series win, uh, many believe that the curse of the great Bambino was the reason why the Red Sox couldn't win a World Series for so long. Now, it's an interesting story, much like the story that we just read of the most lopsided trade in history. And what's so fascinating about this particular story is that it's found in all four gospel accounts. The gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John all record Barabbas' name. A question posed by Pilate, governor of Judea, right around that time in the spring of 2,000 years ago, he asks the crowd, what shall I do with Jesus? Should I release Barabbas or should I release Jesus? Now, if you know the story, Jesus had been arrested by the Jewish religious leaders of that time. They hated Jesus. They cited blasphemy and the claims that he made about himself. Jesus was a threat to their religious system, so they all wanted him dead. So in chapter 27 of the book of Matthew, we see Jesus tossed back and forth between Pilate and then Herod and then back to Pilate again because neither man wanted the responsibility of putting an innocent man to death. So from Pilate to Herod and back to Pilate again, Pilate declares Jesus innocent. He again finds no grounds. He has done nothing wrong. Three times a Pilate acknowledges Christ's innocence and tells the crowd that he'll punish him and then he'll let him go, set him free. I mean, read the words of Scripture in verse 18, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Or verse 23, and he said, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Verse 24, so when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. And not only Pilate, but also his wife. In verse 19, besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man. Should I release Barabbas? An insurrectionist and a murderer, guilty in every sense of the word, or Jesus, whom I have found no basis for a charge. Every year, the governor, in our case Pontius Pilate, released one criminal during the Passover celebration. And it's much like the presidential pardon that the president of the United States exercises while he or she is in office. President Clinton you may or may not know, issued something, something like 459 pardons while he was in office over his two terms in office and 140 on his last day alone. Or Barack Obama issued 927 of these pardons. But FDR tops that list with 3,687 pardons. And the governing authority of that time wishes to release one man. It's either going to be Barabbas or it's going to be Jesus. 
And instead of making the decision himself, he poses the question to the crowd. Should I release to you Barabbas, an insurrectionist, a murderer, or Jesus with whom I have found no basis for a charge? And it almost seems like Pilate asks a leading question. Almost seems to hint who should be released. Well, what do we know about Barabbas? There's not a whole lot we know about Barabbas. He never speaks one word in the gospel accounts. Yet all four gospels mention him by name. We don't know anything about his family. We don't know if he was married or if he was single. We don't know how old he was. What we do know can be captured in two short sentences. Barabbas was guilty and Jesus was innocent. Number two, Barabbas lived and Jesus died. We don't know anything about Barabbas, nothing else than what we find in the scriptures, except that today we might call him a domestic terrorist, maybe. But prison is where he was where he belonged. He was there because of heinous crimes. Why would anyone want to set such a terrorist free? Matthew calls him a, a notorious prisoner. Mark calls him an insurrectionist who had committed murder. Luke says he was in prison for insurrection and murder. John adds that he had taken part in a rebellion. But Pilate severely underestimates the hatred from the Jewish leaders that had been stirred up against Jesus. He thought that his declaration of this man's innocence would be enough. Plus, he couldn't think of a reason, one reason to kill him. Why would you kill an innocent man like Jesus? Sometimes, during a presidential election, you may vote for one candidate because you really like the candidate and because you think that they can do a good job running the country. And sometimes, you vote for one because you like that candidate over the other candidate. And there are other times, you vote for one because you dislike the other. It's not a political commentary by any means. I don't mean to. But in this story, we see such a hatred such a deep dislike for Jesus that doesn't matter who, they'll set anyone free, even a man like Barabbas. That's what it seems like here, Jesus and this insurrectionist. Whether it was Barabbas or some other person or any other person, it would have probably made little difference to the crowd. They wanted Jesus crucified. The same one a week prior who had shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then this week, we're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. How fickle the human heart is. Even we don't know what we want and how easily we are led astray. And in one unanimous voice, they demanded that the release, that they release this rebel, this killer, 
They were so resolute on setting this prisoner free that it would be at the cost of an innocent man. Sensing the mood of the crowd, Pilate makes one last feeble attempt at justice. What shall I do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? But it's too late now. They all shout, crucify him. Crucify him. And so Jesus then is given the death penalty. He becomes the substitute for Barabbas. This becomes one of the greatest trades, the most lopsided trades in human history. The greatest exchange of Jesus' life for the life of Barabbas, the life of an innocent man for the life of a killer, the life of a man who had known no sin for the life of a sinner, the most lopsided trade in history. Don't miss the symbolism. Jesus becomes the substitute for the sinner. Barabbas' release and Jesus' death make up a portrait of the great exchange God engages in to save sinners from the penalty of their ways. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, Paul writes, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone, will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have not read this story rightly if we think that Barabbas is bad because he was a criminal and that we are good because we are not like him. We are gravely mistaken if we think that we're nothing like him. It's easy for us to take the, when we read a story like this, to, to sympathize and to identify. And we'll look at someone like Jesus and say, I can identify with Jesus. A victim. He was innocent. There was nothing about him that was guilty that where he deserved the death penalty. But friends, we have not read this story rightly if we think that Barabbas is bad because he was a criminal and that we are good because we have done nothing. You see, Barabbas is a picture of you and me. We were guilty under the law. We as trespassers of the law deserving of death, we were condemned to die. There was nothing we could do to free ourselves except for a king's pardon. We are murderers and adulterers and blasphemers and idolaters and liars and persecutors and thieves. And when we look into that mirror, we see ourselves and we see Barabbas staring right back at us. Because we are him. And he is us. When we finally get a glimpse of the cross of Christ, we see how greatly our, great our sin really is. In light of Calvary, all our supposed goodness is nothing but filthy rags. 
It was in his death that made it possible for the life of another. The sacrifice of injustice is the ultimate expression of God's love. In death has come the opportunity for life. Just ask Barabbas. Barabbas perhaps was the only man in the world who could say that Jesus Christ actually took his place. But we can say that Jesus Christ took our spiritual place there on that cross, for we deserve to die. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve the eternal punishment of the lake of fire. And yet, he was delivered up for our offenses. He was handed over to judgment because of our sins. Christ became our substitute. He satisfied the debt of divine justice and holiness, and the release has been made possible because of Jesus. The sinner goes free while an innocent man dies. Note Matthew's emphasis on the word release that appears four times in this short story. At the feast, the governor was accustomed to the release for the crowd, any prisoner whom they wanted. Verse 17, so they, want, so they gathered together. Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? Verse 21, the governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And then finally in verse 26, then he released for them Barabbas. Having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Jesus, the innocent, is delivered over to the punishment of death, while the guilty, deserving of death, is released and thus given new life. Friends, I know it's Easter and I'm giving you a Good Friday story. But unless we understand the backdrop of sin and the wrath of God and the holiness of God and the righteousness of God and of need to punish sin, we cannot understand ever the, the concept of grace. It seems to me a beautiful picture of the grace of God to sinners. We are all outcasts and have no claim upon His love, but God's own Son, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world, has died for us, and now we who believe are dressed in the fleece of the Lamb who died. God has accepted us in Him, and there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are as dear to the heart of the Father as His own holy and spotless Son. Friends, today is Easter. Christ has risen. The simple message of the gospel, anyone who asks for forgiveness, anyone who believes that Jesus is the very Son of God and has come to take our place on the cross can automatically claim eternal life. This is grace. This is the essence of the Christian message. In a simple word, <coughs> grace. We can't earn it. We may not deserve it. But because Christ wants to show kindness, offers grace to anyone who wants it. That's grace. The same grace that Jesus Christ displayed on the cross, 
though he had done nothing wrong, was hung upon that old rugged tree to die for our sins. That's grace. Grace is receiving what you do not deserve. And this is the message of the most lopsided trade in history. And much like Barabbas asked the crowds, perhaps Jesus asks us today, now what shall I do with Jesus? <coughs> Excuse me. He was either just a good man who lived 2,000 years ago, or he is who he claimed he was, the very Son of God the one who loved us, the one who sacrificed his own life on a tree that you and I might have life. Friends, this is the message of the good news. <coughs> Let's pray. You died, you were buried, but the good news of Easter is that, Lord, you did not remain in the grave. You rose again to victorious life. Lord, because of your death, there is life now possible for us. Lord, because of your resurrection, Lord, there is a possibility of resurrection for all those who believe. Lord, we thank you for this most lopsided trade in history. Lord, that we get the benefits by what you did for us on the cross. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.